If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. I do know my Bible has a New Testament, and we will look at it today. Luke, chapter 7. You do understand, if you don't understand the Old Testament, you won't understand the New Testament. There's 400 verses in the book of Revelation that came out of the Old Testament. So how do you think you're going to understand the book of Revelation if you don't understand the Old Testament? So there's a reason why God gave us the Word of God as He gave us the Word that He gave us. How many of you all think you're really fast? Dad, don't hold your hand up, brother. You're really fast. You're a good runner. Do you know the fastest person clocked was at 28 miles an hour? That's pretty fast, isn't it? I didn't do that. Do you know the fastest animal can run 65 to 70 miles an hour? The cheetah. That's extremely fast. A train runs about 270 miles an hour. And we understand that that is a very fast moving ob- object of metal, right, on railroad tracks. That's fast. An airplane runs 600 miles an hour. This supersonic jet, if I'm not mistaken, it runs something like 2,193 miles an hour. That's 35 miles a second. A Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird. 35 miles a second. That's moving, isn't it? Did you understand how fast the speed of light is? It's 186 miles a second. And the speed of light, when when light goes around the world like that, you would travel around the planet seven and a half times in a second. Now, you're moving, aren't you? I mean, you're moving so fast, you don't even give off a reflection. But as fast as all of these things are, when I need a move of God, that ain't fast enough, right? When you're going by the hospital bed and and you're dealing with a loved one who has been diagnosed with a diagnosis that is terminal and you need God to move, you need him to move, that's not fast enough. When you get a call that your child is in trouble, they've been arrested, you need a move of God, that's not fast enough. When issues go on in life, when we need God to show up for God to move, we need him to move. Do you need a move of God? We come to church on Sunday, and I think in this atmosphere, we would all say, yeah, preacher, we need a move of God. And we do. I need a move of God. I need a touch of God. I need the anointing, the unction, the spirit of God in and on my life. And when we come together as the body of Christ, we need God's presence as we've never needed it before. We we need that in our life. But hear me, if we don't acknowledge the need, then we have no expectation of God demonstrating himself. And I think sometimes this is why people get into backsliding and live in a backslidden condition because they get unamused, and that might not be the right word that you like, unimpressed 
with God. And all of a sudden, the things of the world start to cater to them. The things of the world start to look attractive to them. The things of the world start to get their attention. And because God is not working like I want Him to work in my life, all of a sudden we start making bad decisions. We start making wrong choices. And sometimes we say, well, I'm just bored at church. You know what that looks like? I'm not being fed. Let me tell you something. God promises if you're hungry, he will feed you. So don't say you're not being fed. Let's just say, I'm not hungry. Because you see, when you're hungry, God's got enough storehouse and bread in heaven. He will send it down to sustain your soul. He will send it forth to feed your spirit. He will move in your life. But you've got to be hungry. But see, see, you like Twinkies? Yeah. Man, they'll last forever. You put them anywhere, you can keep them. See, see, we like Twinkies and we like Snickers and we like all this junk food. And so what we do is we feed ourselves junk food and therefore we lose our appetite. We don't have a hunger for the Word of God. We don't have a hunger for the things of God. We don't have a hunger for God Himself because we're so filled with junk. If you're hungry, He will feed you. Now, you have got to learn to feed yourself, right? Because you see, I can break forth the bread of life, but this is only for Sunday. What are you going to do on Monday? I don't look like anybody in here starving to death. See, see, you've got to learn to feed yourself. You've got to learn to take in the Word of God on your own. You've got to let God speak and work and move in your life because He feeds the hungry. But, but you've got to come to that place in your life just like I do where I understand, God, I am desperate for you to show up. I'm desperate for you to move in my life. God, I want your blessing upon my life. And God, I want to be intentional about that. Now, now we used that big word last week, intentionality. And, and, and I clarified it Sunday night a little bit. Because yes, you have to be intentional in life, but I'm talking about intentional in your abiding in Jesus Christ. Because if you're intentional about everything else but your relationship with God, you miss what God wants for you. You miss what God has for you. You've got to be intentional to take up the Word of God day in, day out, and to take it off the page and let it burn and bury itself inside your soul. You've got to be intentional to memorize Scripture, to regurgitate over in your mind so you can express it out in your life. You've got to be intentional about you as a child of God getting on your knees before God with an open Bible and learning how to pray the Word back to the Father because you've never prayed in the will of God like you've prayed when you pray the Word of God because the Word of God is His perfect will and you take His Word and you say, God, show me how to abide. God, show me how to understand. God, let your Word be real in my life. Because I need God to show up. And we get in the problem is when God doesn't respond like we think God should respond. Anybody ever been there? 
We know God needs to do it. And God, let me tell you how you need to do it. Right? And we got to get out of that. Because God says, my word will not return void. It didn't say Mark's life would not return void. It said, my word will not return void. But there's going to be times in our life when when we're desperate for that word from God and we need to hear what God is saying and we need God's mind on a situation but when he speaks why do we pause why don't we act and respond this old boy up in Chicago he was six foot nine inches tall anybody in here six nine all right, no, no illustrations. Six foot nine, and he and his wife bought a compact car. Now, I know being tight, and I know the gas mileage, but six foot nine, and you buy a compact car, and it was almost comical when he would stop his car because an audience would instantaneously appear as he started unfolding his body out of that car because when he started getting out of that car and he started standing up everybody is paused looking at him saying what in the world man why are you in a car that small you are that big but this man six foot nine bought this little bitty car and he's driving around the streets of Chicago and one day he gave testimony of this fact he said one day as he was driving he was on the freeway the expressway and a car bumped into him forced him into the median the concrete barrier and as it did that so quickly his car veered and it began to flip and it began to roll over a state trooper was watching the accident as he was a distance away he saw everything transpiring he began to move himself and his vehicle towards the point of the accident because he said there will be fatalities in this accident and when he got there he said the only thing that was not damaged was the door And all of a sudden the door opened and out comes this six foot nine man. And he's going like this because he thought, surely after what I've been through, I'm bleeding somewhere and my adrenaline is just running and I just can't feel the pain yet. But he had no injuries. And the police officer was amazed because he said, you should not have survived. As I said, this guy was a Christian and he had been taught to call out to his rock of Ebenezer. (laughs) He had been taught to call out. And and I know the country song says, Jesus, take the wheel. But, But see, he said, I did not have time to even say the word. I did not have time to glance into the heavens. But my heart thought, When it hit so quickly, God, help me. And quicker than the speed of light, God took and secured this man through this wreck. Is 
that not how sometimes you feel like you need God to show up in your life? Is that not how sometimes you feel like you need a move of God to demonstrate itself in your life? Well, read with me the Gospel of Luke chapter 7. Because in this short little passage of Scripture here, you find some things that are required if we want God to show up. And we want God to show up now. Because look what it says. Now, when he had ended all his sayings, in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. Now, he's talking about Jesus, and Jesus is doing what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Jesus went about ministering the Word of God. Jesus went about teaching the Word of God. Jesus went about preaching the Word of God. He went about explaining to people who God Jehovah was. He went about explaining to people how you can have a relationship with Almighty God. He went about explaining what the Word of God said. He was working the Word. He was giving forth the Word. That was His job, and that's what He did. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto Him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. And when Jesus went with him, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thy self, for I am not worthy that thou should enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I am also a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and he turned him about, and he said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returned to the house and found that the servant was whole that had been sick. This little story gives you three things that you have to understand and I have to understand when we need a move of God. And the first thing is this, there has to be a saturation of the Word of God. See, that's what Jesus was doing. That's what Jesus did. He was proclaiming, he was preaching, he was ministering forth the Word of God. And as he was giving forth the word of God, proclaiming the word of God, see, see, there was this, there was this exposure of the word of God to people. Why do you think we are preaching right now? Because we are giving an exposure of the word of God to you. We are attempting, as best as God has enabled us, to saturate you with the word of truth, with the word of God. Because if you are going to experience a move of God, if you're going to experience God working inside your life, you've got to have a saturation in your soul, a saturation in your spirit with the word of God. And when you are hearing preaching, preaching invokes, my friends, the word of God set forth. 
And see, it, it moves in our lives. Jesus is preaching the Word of God. And as He's preaching the Word of God, there is an overflow taking place inside the people's lives because this overflow is evidence because the centurion who is not present, he hears what is taking place. He hears Jesus is in the area. He hears, how did he hear? Because people who heard the Word left there said, you ought to have heard what Jesus said today. You ought to have heard what the preacher said today. You ought to have heard the message that went forth. Man, God showed up. God demonstrated himself. And as they were overflowing with the word of God, sharing what the word of God had done in their lives, other people heard it. Now, guys, that's a good point for you to go. You don't have to go complain about me, nag about me. Just go say, man, God's word went forth today. God's word went forth. And you tell others what God's Word, it's stirred inside your soul. You can tell others when God's Word was set forth, how God's Spirit just seemed to move freely in our lives. How, how all of a sudden, He started feeding my hungry soul. He started giving me nourishment that I knew I was going to make it through till the next day. When you hear something, you tell somebody, right? You tell somebody. And so that's what's going on. There's been this saturation of the word of God. And the centurion heard it. And he was miles away. But the people of God were talking about the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, faith, it was counted unto Abraham as righteous because he believed God. Not that he believed in God. Everybody in Hopkins County believes in God. But believing God is worlds apart. See, believing God is God said it. I respond to it. I believe God. It's not believing in him. It's believing God. And faith is It comes by hearing and hearing the word. See, our faith grows because we have heard the word. We've been exposed to the word. And then we make a response. And if you don't make a response, your faith doesn't grow. And if you don't make a response, you disallow miracles. That you might need in your life at some point. Because you have to respond to the word of God. So in response to the word of God. Look what this centurion did. He said he asked the elders of the Jews to talk to Jesus for him. Now I read that and I thought what's up with that dude? Why don't you talk to him yourself? But, 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 you have to understand who this man is. He was a Roman centurion. He was in, in, in that understanding. I, I, I'm assuming he was a Roman because Rome had control. He was a centurion. That would have made him like a captain in the army. He had at least a hundred people under his responsibility. He had 80 soldiers under his responsibility. And he had 20 others. He had servants. He had armor bearers. He had messengers. Why? Because he was a centurion. He was a man of responsibility. He was a man... 
when you needed something done as the government did, he was the one they called on to do it. And when he was in the field, he couldn't ask any Tom, Dick, or Harry, go do this. He asked one of his servants, one of his messengers, here's what you need to do. And they did it. And so he didn't want to come to Jesus with this idea that if he is Roman, you owe me because we're rulers. Or even as a centurion, I'm a captain, you need to acknowledge me. And so he invoked a strategy. And he said, the Jewish elders, would you go and talk to Jesus for me? The strategy came out of the fact that there was a saturation of the Word of God. you got to get that. Everything starts with a saturation of the Word. See, we don't have to live based on man's opinion and man's whims and wants. It's all the Word of God. And so he had this strategy that he, he had in his mind, not wanting to appear intimidating, not wanting to appear like, Jesus, you owe me something. Do you, do you have the idea that God owes you? Do you? Do we ever say, well, God, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you fix that? Why didn't... Do, do we ever have that? Sometimes we can get that idea that God owes us. Guys, this guy is simply saying, you owe me nothing. So, so, so here the elders of the Jews go, and, and they're willing to go because of response of what this man said. Why? Because they've been talking about Jesus, and their, his response was, go talk to him for me. And so the elders show up, they say, this man is worthy. This man, he loves us. He loves our nation. This man, he has built us a synagogue. This man, he is worthy for you to do something for him. This man is worthy for you to help him. Isn't that a great testimony? And we've all got people and friends we know that we say, Lord, he is worthy. Father, you understand what has transpired in their life, and he is worthy. He has a heart for the people of God. He has been yielded and supported of the people. God, he is worthy for you to respond to his need. The strategy came out of a saturation of the word of God. But he knew Jesus didn't know him nothing. You with me? And so... Right now, we're in a place we're being saturated with the Word of God. And a saturation with the Word of God causes things to happen. That's what's wonderful. We were in Muhlenberg <laughs> Jail. See, see, there is a Mecklenburg, Tennessee and you all confused all of it. But we were in Muhlenberg jail with a ladies ministry. And I remember the first night, one of the ladies that came into the time we were with them, I asked them where they were from. I didn't ask them why they were in. You don't ask that question, but where are you from? And they went, and she said, I'm from Hazard, Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky. Well, Shaw was raised 15 miles from Hazard. So she's a mountain girl. She's Appalachian through and through. And she is hardened. 
You know what we're talking about? See, see, and, and she told Char later in, in conversation, she said, she said, she's in here on drug charges related, but she said, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not addicted to drugs. I'm addicted to money, and I sell them. And I got pulled over as a convicted felon. I had a gun in my car, and now I've got three years, whatever it was here. And, you know, you hear them tell their story, and you almost can see the pride just welling up in them. I'm a drug dealer, and I had a gun in my car, and blah, 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 blah. And you think, honey, I don't care. That's a first night. By the third night, where she's been saturated for three days with the Word of God. She comes up to me and she says, Would you pray for me? And she begins to express her heart. Guys, you've got to get it. It's a saturation of the Word of God's going to do something. I've seen people with my own eyes be in a church in a balcony and the Word of God being set forth and they leave the balcony and they get to the back door right there and they look in and they look to the door and they look in and they look to the door because a battle's going on and they came through the door and they came to the altar and they wept their way to the cross of Jesus Christ and they did a radical work inside their life. But see, that's what happens when you get saturated in the Word of God. You will either get right or you'll get out so this man he had a strategy and he had asked the elders to to go see that's point number one you have to respond to the word this saturation of scripture that's why preaching is so important We can sing ourselves happy and it's enjoyable and we love it. But there's nothing like what Jesus said. The proclamation of Scripture. Proclaiming the preached Word. It works. Why? Because the Word of God does not return void. There's got to be a saturation of hearing. And then you know the Word of God. And it leads you to the second thing. After the saturation of the Word, there is a submission to the Word. Look what it says in verse 6. And Jesus went with them. Jesus is going. He's responding back. And when he was not far away from the house, a centurion sent friends. First time it was elders, right? This time he's sending friends. He's getting close. See, the centurion, he's got an agreement with the elders. They're on the same page. They're saying yes to the centurion. Now he's got an agreement with his friends. And, and, and look what he said. He sent friends saying, Say, Lord, trouble not thyself. Wait a second. I thought you wanted him to help you. I thought that you needed a move of God. He does. But look what he says. For I am not worthy. That thou should enter under my roof. You remember the elders? He's worthy, right? He loves our nation. He's built us a synagogue. He has helped us. He's worthy. Now the friends are coming saying, He 
He's not worthy. He said that he's not worthy. How do you make sense of that? At one minute he's been testified that he's worthy, and now he said, oh, I'm not worthy. That's where I live. How about you? People look and say, man, you got this, this going on, and I'm thinking, you don't know me. I ain't worthy. Man, I got feet of clay just like you do. I got struggles just like you do. Men, you ever take somebody home with you and you don't tell your wife you're bringing them home with you? I'm getting the eye right now. <laughs> I know one time this guy knocked on the door. I don't even remember who it was, but I know I knew him because I said, come on in. And, and when Char got home, you know what the first thing she said? You didn't let him in, did you? Now, why do you say that stuff? Ladies, do you understand why she says it? Men, do we understand why they say it? Nope. But ladies get it. Because the house. Now, Char keeps a fine house. Now, but there's paw prints on the floor. They make this rug you can buy it offline and the dogs walk across it and it takes all the... Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. See, 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 she says, the house is not ready yet. You can't bring somebody into this house because I've got stuff that needs to be done. And so, so I've learned after 30, 100 years of marriage that, that, that what happens is, is if I do something like this, I have to say, let's go out here to the pond and let's look around. And so what she does is she runs in the house and don't open the closet doors, but she runs into the house. And next thing I'm going, I thought, man, whoa, baby. See, you give them that pause, right? Yeah. See, that's what the centurion dude's saying. But he's not talking about a physical house. He's talking about his life. He's saying, I'm not ready. I have such respect for you, Christ. I have such admiration for you, Christ, because you are the living Son of God. And I am not fit I have made up so many bad choices. I have failed in so many different ways. You don't have to come physically. But look what it says. I'm not worthy. Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come to you. But. Now you need to mark this line. Say a word. You missed a good point. Say amen shout. Because you see, that's what it's all about. The centurion, he understood the power of the word of God. The centurion, he understood. It just took Christ giving a word. See, just give me a word. Now, now how could he understand that? And this is crucial. He said, for verse 8, I am also a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say to one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to two, my servant, do this, and he doeth it. How do you 
understand submission to the Word of God, you understand submission to authority. Is it there? Because this centurion said, Jesus, I am under authority. I've got generals that far outrank me. And I am a man in authority. I've got people I tell what to do. It scares me to try to follow anyone who doesn't know how to submit to authority. Right? I don't care to follow someone who knows how to follow. But somebody who don't know how to follow, who doesn't know how to submit to authority. And so this centurion, he knew what it was to be in authority and he knew what it was to be under authority. And this is a great liberating truth. If you're going to say, I'm submitting to the word of God, you've got to understand submission to spiritual authorities in your life. You've got to understand submitting to what the word of God says. If you need a move of God, if you're by the hospital bed, if you're by the car wreck, if you've got the phone call from the police, you need a move of God. You need an intervention of the Holy Spirit of God. But you've got to be a person who understands what it means to submit to the authorities of God's word of God himself because God takes those areas that you understand and that's how he blesses you you understand the love of God so you understand what it means to love and let me throw this one in if you need to demonstrate more love, God's going to put you around unloving people. Because that's how we learn. You understand the gift of hospitality? Some people don't. We don't know how to make people feel welcome. But when you understand that, and it just burns inside your soul, man, you know what it is to smile and to welcome and to encourage. So see, God uses that. And when you understand submission to the authority of the Word of God, you have positioned yourself in such a fashion that you're going to see the success of the Word of God. And that's the third point. He understood saturation. He had been exposed to the Word of God. He understood submission. He had responded to the Word of God. And God says, my Word will not return void. It didn't say Mark's life. It didn't say grapevine. It says, my word will not return void. God's word is efficient and God's word is effective. And God's word will accomplish what God sends his word out to do. But we get in that trouble when God doesn't do what we want God to do like we think he should do it. And all of a sudden we start saying, well, the word doesn't work. You ever heard somebody say, well, prayer just doesn't work for me? 
It's not about working for you. It's about him. And until we understand submission to authority and understanding what God's word says, God said, I'm going to accomplish what my word has sent forth to do. And the centurion says, don't come. Just speak a word. Just give me a word. And look what it says. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. You ever made God marvel? That's a strong statement right there, boy. He paused. I mean, I mean, Jesus said, I understand the speed of the word of God. It's quicker than the speed of light. I understand the moving of God. I understand, I understand we have to apply the practice of submission to authority. Wow. And when Jesus saw this, he said, wow. God ever said, wow to you. I mean, Jesus, it says, he marveled. At this man's faith, Jesus paused. Now, we're not supposed to pause, but Jesus, he paused. Can I cause God to marvel? Can, can I cause God to stop for a moment and say, Mark, you, you, you got it, you understand. Man, I, I want to. How about you? We face so many trials and so many situations and so many circumstances and Every bit of them, it's the world trying to get us to take our eyes off of the Word of God and off of Christ. And, and, and all this junk that we face, it's wanting to cause us to question the authenticity and the authority of the Word of God. Everything we face is trying to get us to say, it's not going to happen in your life. But hear me, if you can understand, I submit to the authority of the Word of God. And I don't know what this is going to look like. And I don't know how this is going to come out. But I know this, if God just speaks a word, it just takes a word. When God spoke a word, those three Hebrew boys, they went down into that fire, but they came out without any smell of smoke. When God gave a word, Daniel, he went down into that lion's den, and they didn't even eat it. When, when God gave a word, Stephen stood and he preached there and he was stoning him. He was pouring into the very person, Jesus Christ himself. Why? God gave a word. And they stood. Man, I got to get saturated with the word, right? What's that look like? It don't look like Sunday morning at Grapevine. It looks like Monday morning... In your prayer closet, you get a Bible. And you start saying, and when Jesus heard these things, he might, God, teach me how to, how to live in such a way that you marvel at my faith. God, teach me how to live under authority that I, I understand your authority. God, God, teach me how to receive your word. Oh, God. That, see, that's what it looks like when you day in and day out, you, you just go to the word because you're saying, God, I need your word. Because you see, God's word, it can meet any need, no matter what is transpiring. Now, the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. I believe that. It don't matter what your title. It doesn't matter what your position is. But I do believe God is a respecter of faith. See, see, to respect means that you hold in high regard. You approve. You have favor. And I believe God has favor on those who stand on the word of God. 
And when God has favor on your life, glory! <laughs> That's all you can say. When God has favor on your life. You see, the success of God's word, it does not return void. Look what it says in verse 10. And they that were sent returned to the house and found that the servant was whole that had been sick. The servant was whole. The moment Jesus speaks, quicker than the speed of life. Life. God moved. What's your diagnosis? Your diagnosis does not necessarily determine your prognosis. See, it doesn't matter what your situation is. That doesn't determine what it can be. Because you and I, we need to understand, God is greater. God is greater than what is happening to you, to what is happening in you. I don't care what the addiction might be. I don't care what the bondage might be. I don't care what... Employment might be. God is greater. But do you understand? Submission to authority. The authority of this book. Is your line in line with the stewardship of Scripture? Are you saturating yourself with the Word of God? You say, well, I don't want to say something and give a negative confession. Why? you got to get honest. See, how can you not give an honest confession? Because if you don't give an honest confession, how are you ever going to say how great your God is? See, if you don't have a need, he ain't got to move. But when you have a need, see, you know you need a move of God. And it's when you can say, I was almost dead. I, I was in a situation in my life that was overcoming. I felt like I was drowning. I, I couldn't take another day. The burden was so heavy. And then God spoke a word. He sent a word. He gave a word. And when God gave a word, that changes everything. Right? Because you see, say a word. He don't even have to show up physically. He just has to speak a word. So let me ask you, when was the last time God gave you a word? What would you do with it? How did you respond to it? Saturation. That's what we've been trying to do this morning, saturate this place with the word of God. Exposure of the Word of God. Submission to the Word of God. I respond obediently to what He says. And we've positioned ourselves for the success of the Word of God. Whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's five years from now, it's already a success because it doesn't come back void. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. You've never been born again. You, you have a religious profession. You're part of a denomination maybe. But you don't know that you know that you know you've ever been saved. That you've been washed in the blood of Christ. Man, we can show you with the Word of God what that means. And by faith, God will save you if you'll cry out. Father, we ask you right now that you would just work in our lives and in this room in a very mighty way.
God, there's needs all around this place. In every pew, in every seat, God, there's needs. God, I pray right now that you just take and let your word penetrate into their heart and hear what they needed to hear. And God, they would respond to what you have said, God. Because if there's not this submission to the authority of Christ, the authority of the word of God, the authorities that are spiritual in people's lives, we don't have expectancy. But God, expectancy is created as we submit to you and God, we pray that you just send that word right now. God, work mightily. Save the lost. Heal the sick. Deliver the oppressed. But God, work mightily for your glory, God. Altar's open. What's God said to you today, friends? Obey Him. Make the adjustment.